Welcome, I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and this is What's Your Superpower podcast. Today, my guest is Sheridan Morris from Well Said and Associates, and I call her the wordsmith because she is absolutely amazing with words and putting what you write into a better context. Welcome, Sheridan, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Good to, I'm very glad to be here. Good. Now, Sheridan, we're going to talk a little bit about your background, where you come from, and how you got to where you are today. So share a little bit of your backstory and who's inspired you to bring you to where you are today. And along that journey, we will just see some of those superpowers. There's not one superpower, but you have many, as we all do. So please share. Yes, well, I was born in South Australia and um, my first influence as far as the love of language is concerned is my father. Uh, due to family circumstances, he never got to go past grade five at school, but he never stopped learning. And my favourite memory of him is him sitting at the kitchen table with an encyclopaedia or a dictionary or a reader's digest in front of him. And he'd look up from the page and say, listen to what this word means. Or he'd say, have a listen to this story. And that kind of passion for language was really fostered by him. We even had uh, times when we'd sit together and we'd watch comedians or we'd listen to so uh, records like The King and I and we'd sing together it with it. But it was all that harmony and the rhythm of language and how it could be used. So uh, I left school. I didn't think I had grades well good enough to go into university. So I did certain jobs. I was a dental nurse. I did admin roles. And I took 10 years out to look after my children when they were little. And then uh, I started to go back into admin roles again. But when I turned 40, I left a position that was really taxing and I was highly stressed. And I thought, I don't want to work for anybody ever again. And somebody asked me a very important question. And that was, what is it you love doing? And when you do it, the time just disappears. And I said, oh, my writing. And so she said to me, go and study about writing and how you can work in that area. So I went to uh, Holmes Glen College of Tate because I was in Melbourne by then and had the a wonderful teacher who was giving us our non-fiction class and I showed him a submission that I had made to the Manningham Council when I was in a role as coordinator of volunteers to encourage them to acknowledge and also train volunteers very well and it was a successful tender so that was really good but the teacher said to me stop doing it for free and he linked me up with an organization that was involved with several not-for-profits. And I started doing their um, appeal letters, their annual reports, their newsletters, their newspaper articles, all those sorts of things, and got very, very good success out of that. And then someone asked me, oh, do you write speeches? And I went, well, I speak and I have good language skills. Sure, I do. I, I can write your speech. <laughs> and then it was a wedding speech and then it was um, writing an obituary 
But through it all, I think there was a, a superpower that I saw developed in high school particularly. And uh, I was that nerdy kid who understood all the poetry and everybody else went to sleep while the teacher and I waxed lyrical about, you know, these poems that we were studying. With that, I got to understand that my power of comprehension is very strong. And so by listening to a client about their business, by listening to a family about someone who's passed, by listening to a father who wants to go make a wonderful speech at his wedding's daughter, his daughter's wedding, um, I can comprehend ideas and themes and things like that. And so I put them through. And it, it comes out in note-taking. I've done note-taking for many, many organisations. But to be able to pick out the little pieces so it's not, you know, yards and yards of writing that nobody wants to read. Uh, also, it helped me when clients would send me a list of dot points, I could write around it. Uh, because I, I knew there was a rhythm and a flow with the language, as well as correct grammar, punctuation, all that sort of thing. Very interesting. A lot of the things that you've said and your passion really comes through very strongly about the a language and the words that we actually use and how the power of the word sends a message and how we interpret it. It could be something that we've said and someone else interprets it in a different way, but you you go the next level and you make sure that whatever's written is interpreted in the right way for everyone. And that's a skill in itself. And you, you're very fortunate that you had a dad who had a love of books and a love of language so that you could be nurtured through that and then at school with your teacher and poetry which you absolutely loved and most of the kids would have been bored and I can imagine that myself so looking at the power of words is is a particularly strong superpower of yours but it's also not just that it's about the storytelling so you pick out the relevance of everyone's writing and bring it the page, put it on the page and bring it to life when someone's reading it. Yes, because what I discovered was that the right words in the right context held passion, held energy in it. And so it, the great part of when you're working with a business person and they're talking so passionately about their business, if you ask them to write that down, they'd be stuck quite often. But when you ask them to talk about it, then they use this language that's full of energy and vibrancy and, and their love of it. And so I use those words and that retains that kind of energy. So the reader can get a gist of the fact that this person loves what they're doing and so they do it really well. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? I think we all think that we're good at at, our, at what we say, our language and all that sort of thing, but there's a lot more to it than just the writing on the page. It's, it's creating that story which jumps out at you and that's what you, you do and you've created many different eulogies and had many different comments from some of those eulogies. Talk about that. 
Yeah, well, for a period of time, I was working with a um, funeral director and I had about three days to interview the family, write the eulogy and then present it. And people would come up to me afterwards and say, oh, you must have known George really well. And I said, well, no, I didn't have the fortune, good fortune of knowing George. I've, these are just the stories that the family gave me. And so, you know, I captured those and presented them today. But another thing that they would say is, I never knew George liked stamp collecting when he was little. My goodness, I used to collect stamps. I would have loved to have talked to him about that. And I used to think, oh, that's really sad because George is gone now and you can't share that passion together. And I knew I was also telling their story on their behalf and a little bee got in my bonnet. <laughs> Why couldn't we have someone record their life? And so in a way that they actually wrote it or they were encouraged to provide it in a story form and have it recorded so that they told it in their words. And it, it stayed there for a while. And eventually I developed a part of my business called My Living History, where I started to record the histories of parents. The children would gather together, give it to mum or dad for a Christmas present or a birthday present. And, you know, they knew that their mum and dad had done great things uh, and they wanted to retain that for their children and grandchildren onwards. So um, that was a great pleasure. I'd sit and interview them personally. At first, I would write notes furiously, but then I met a lovely system called Zoom and Otter, <laughs> and that made the recording process very, very easy, and then I just did the editing. Um, also, there was a still another bee in my bonnet about how some baby boomers might like to write their own story, but they always meant to, never got around to it. You know, they didn't know how to start, or who would be interested? My kids wouldn't be interested in my story. And in fact, I feel that's incorrect. I believe because baby boomers have lived a life that their children and grandchildren haven't. They, their children and grandchildren live in a world of technology. Baby boomers didn't. We saw it just entering our lives towards the end of our lives. So why not find a system that I could work with each person wanting to write their history, but, you know, it was a, an affordable way to do it. And so I've created a special little set where there's a subscription and for 12 months I communicate by email, they communicate back with me, I read through it and go, have you thought about this and have you thought about that? So they then are empowered. And, you know, I'll put little videos into it as well to talk about those times when they might get stumped, when they might feel that they can't write something because they don't want the family to know. Uh, and, you know, I would actually encourage them to write it, but choose not to put it in whatever book they used to give to their family. Um, and, the, and the, of course, the beauty of it you know, is you can put it on uh, a USB and you can have it to be sent email by email to your own family, uh, your siblings, but also it can be used in the future for printing. And of course, many of us go, well, my mum and dad is just mum and dad, you know, but we don't know what they were like as a baby or as a little girl at school or as a little boy falling in love the first time or getting their first job. Uh, and, you know, the, the struggles they might have had. So many families have come from another country and they had to learn how to live in a completely different place. And so overcoming all those things are actually what is in the DNA of their children 
and their grandchildren and they will understand it. There'll be a time when, you know, perhaps they've passed or when, you know, mum and dad have got really old and they're sort of too, too unwell to actually record anything that uh, the children will have the resource in. Plus, you can put the photographs in and they will know who are in the photographs instead of getting a box and going, well, I've got no idea who that fella is or that woman there is, and, and they can see the relationships that their, their parents had. It's really important. And you're saying about baby boomers and being young and you have children and they're growing up, but the children never see you as a young person, they only see you as who you are right there and then. And one day, I, I think I was having a conversation with my son and I said, do you ever think I was your age? And he said, no, <laughs> because they don't imagine you as being the age that they were and growing up and experiencing things. They may have been different because technology wasn't around and all those things, but we got outside and we did different things, whereas these days, technology keeps them inside, keeps them glued to a screen or whatever it might be. Mm. And it, it's made life in some ways a lot simpler for them or easier for them. But it's also not given them the opportunity to go out into the big wide world and go, go exploring and do the things that we did as we were growing up. And that's where your stories are really important. Everyone has a story. Everyone has things that their children and their grandparents um, have that they, they need to share. So it can be passed down generation to generation. Yes. Taking them on that journey. And when it gets to your children and then your children's children and their children's children, it creates a line of history that's unimaginable, really, but it's a very important part of who we all are. Yes. And there are parts of history that we can grab onto by going to Google or, or grabbing books that have a bit of history in them, but it's not the same as sharing the life history of a family going back generations. And with baby boomers, uh, you know, times in history, important times of history, they were there. They were going through it. The world wars uh, and, and managing at home during the war, managing with short supplies, being on a farming property and managing drought and fire and flood, all of those things that, you know, become second nature to the people who live in that area. But in fact, that's a masterful feat that they take on. Uh, and so it prepares them to take on better and larger and greater things. So if if anyone says to me, oh, I haven't done much, I, I say, well, I don't believe that. Mm. And when you actually start mm. to explore, they tell you the most beautiful and amazing stories. You know, love stories that started with a letter between a man and a woman, uh, chance meetings at, at a dance club, uh, how soldiers returning from the war didn't react, didn't co co communicate with their family when they returned, a and all of the ripple effects of that. Um, to, to actually gather those feelings that they had is really important.
Uh, I've got an example of that for my grandma, who was a very prim and proper lady at church. She was a, an elder at the church. She was in the CWA and the Temperance Union. And I only knew her of as this prim and proper woman who was the boss. You just didn't cross her in any way. And um, I loved her for that. When towards the end of her life, she developed dementia and I would go to visit her. She kept talking about it being on a train and getting off at the right station. And because I was a young woman and I didn't know what to do with it, I didn't have any understanding of the dementia. So I just joined the fantasy with her and told her, that's all right, I'll, I'll let you off at the station. I'll tell you when it's coming, you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, after my nan had passed, I found out from other relatives that in fact, uh, when she was quite a young woman, she fell in love with a young man who went to Western Australia. And so my nan got on the train with her heart full of hope and went all the way from Adelaide to Perth to go over and be with him. It didn't work out. And so then she had to get back on the train and with a broken heart and come home again. And then my great-grandfather said to her, you are to marry this man and you're not to do that again. You know, because really it was quite out of ordinary in the time frame that they had. One, I kind of get sad for Grandpa because I'm kind of thinking he was second choice, but then nonetheless, I didn't really know him because he passed away early. But with my grandma, to see her as that young, passionate woman who would go against the rules of the time, who would defy her father and follow love, oh, it just means so much to me, it really does. It's beautiful. And so your superpowers are bringing out the stories, the real stories from the family so that they can share it over the generations. It's also, the as I call you, the wordsmith, the, the way you have with words which you put on paper which dance when people read and you're listening to what's being said but also finding out things about people that nobody's ever known about and creating magic for families in in eulogies, in wedding ceremonies when, you know, they always tell stories about this, that and everything else, but bringing in a celebration, particularly to the eulogy, celebrating someone's life. Yes, it is a sad time, but you manage to create it and make it a celebration so that people can say, as they said to you earlier, I didn't know that about George. I didn't know that. I didn't know this. And they go away wondering or thinking, wow, what do people know and not know about me? Because we have this tendency to keep our story close to our heart because we think that nobody wants to know it. And that's not true. Once someone sits down and starts reading a story, you could sit there for hours and the time could just flit away and you not even know that it's gone. Yes. And How beautiful um, is that? It, it really is. I find it's a privilege to assist that. And also when someone is writing their own story, they are acknowledging their life. And the beauty of it is, Every moment we've had in our life is recorded on our brain somewhere and all it needs is the right stimulus and we can remember in fine detail what it was like to go through that. 
And so people writing their own stories will have those moments of going, wow, yeah, I did that, and knowing themselves a bit better. Uh, there may be the times when it was hard for them to actually write that down and go, well, you know what? We made it through. I, You know, I managed that. I struggled, but I learned this or I learned that. So that is the essence of what I'd love to capture. Your children and your grandchildren will have their own stories. A lot of it is already recorded on Facebook. They're very lucky that way. We only had the box brownie camera to, to take a photograph and then you know you send it off it was often in black and white anyway but they've got their life in color on Facebook but we need to know the story behind those events that they're recording um, so for the baby boomers get out the photographs from the box box brownie camera and put them into the layout of your stories so that they get to connect with the people who've been in your life yeah, and what a beautiful way to celebrate someone's life, Ooh. the journey that they've had, you know, from the time they were born, growing up and the experiences they had as a child and, and comparing that to whoever's reading it in the family to what their experiences were and you can go, wow, I didn't know that. How much fun would that be? And they may even want to try it. But also... Every individual experiences that in a different way. Yeah. And so that's that family formula. The family sense of humour will come through. The family's fortitude will come through. Sometimes the family's pig-headedness and determination comes through, but it brought results because they were focused and determined and other people thought they were pig-headed, but they got things done. You know, and, and I know with my own family stories, one is of uh, my mother's side, the original family coming out on the buffalo as free settlers, pitching a tent and then building a life here. And so when we all gather together, as we have an annual reunion, we think of ourselves as pioneers because that first family were pioneers. Mm. It's kind of get in your DNA and your way of thinking. Isn't it interesting to find out a bit of history about where you come from? Because we do these family trees and we do all this sort of stuff and we do some research here and there and connect with people to find out about them, which can be incorporated into the story. And those photos have more meaning when they have a name to them. And, you know, and you understand, okay, what's their relation in, in the story? And that gets told as well. But yeah. a lot of the time, as you said, when you have photos, there's no names written on them. There's no name on the back or anything like that. So you think, well, who's that? Mm. And I have photos of, of grandparents and, and people in photos. And I'm thinking, I don't even know who they are or what their names are. So it's really important with the, the things that you do that magic and brilliance is brought out into family history and that's what you do, My Living History, which creates that family um, historical storyline that goes through the generations and can go continue to, to build what an amazing book or books can be created from so something so... I want to say simple, but it's not some something so magical as storytelling. 
So I'd and, say you're and a storyteller. <laughs> well, now with the, the advent of digital printing, people can get one book printed and it won't cost them the earth. They can get a few books printed or not at all, just have it as a PDF on a USB that can be plugged in and emailed to people or, you know, added to people's files. But it's there, it's recorded, it's captured. And, oh. you know, before the person has gone and by the, it's written by themselves, it's in their own words. Yeah. And how beautiful is that? So tell me what you think. I've said what I think your superpowers are. Sheridan, tell me what you think your superpowers are. I think more than anything, it's working with the rhythm and flow. Um, that comes out in having sung. It comes out in having uh, done stand-up comedy and working with the structures and formulas of comedy. Um, there is a, a vibration. I can read through a piece and see where a word is out of harmony, if you yeah. like. Um, I also feel I have strong empathy. And so I can imagine it. I'm a visual person. So as a person tells me their story or as I'm reading about it, I can visualise it. And so then I can add to it by saying, we need to have a bit more information here or we need to have a little bit more information there. And it, it really helps. And the best part, I suppose, is empowering others. Um, you know, when they come to me, they say, oh, I'm really, really nervous about this speech. You know, I love my dad. I don't want to break down and have a terrible time. And and they send back a message afterwards. Oh, it was great. I was able to do it. I, you know, with my voice stayed level. I was able to talk about my dad with a lot of love. Everybody laughed at the funny stories that I had about him, you know, and, and it really builds them up because then next time they're asked to do it, they're in a different space and yeah. they're ready to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. And, yeah, and as I said, you do, you have many um, amazing superpowers, but bringing the story out and getting it shared with families and creating that historical um, manuscript, I will say, to pass on to generation after generation. Thank you, Sheridan, and that has been amazing. Your superpowers you will... Your superpowers will be carried on forever, never to stop. So that is amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciated the interview. That's my pleasure. I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and I'll be back with another story very soon. Bye for now.